Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. I am Ross Furukawa. I am the publisher of the Santa Monica Daily Press, and I am here with Matt Hall, who's the editor. What's up, Matt? Hey, how's it going? I am well. We are well deep into this uh, series of podcasts that we're doing around our local school board election. So those of you that have kids in the district or have sent kids through the district or maybe are planning on having kids and sending them through the district, uh, these people will be representing you, making decisions around uh, you know, education, how much we fund, how big the school is, uh, capital improvement projects, all of that great stuff. Um, today, we have Jason Feldman. Uh, Jason Feldman is a civil rights attorney. He is running for, uh, for school board as a challenger, so he's not an incumbent. Um, and Matt, you had a good interview with Jason. How'd, that, how'd the whole thing go? Yep, yep. Jason is one of three members running on an anti-incumbency slate. Um, they all have a similar approach to why they're running. So I think as as folks listen to all of these, you're going to notice an overlap between some of the candidates, and that's specifically why. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very much in a similar similar motivation to um, Hickman and Johnson, the other two anti-incumbency slate members. So yep. yeah, interesting conversation, and I think if you if you like what he has to say, then it's uh, Johnson and Hickman are the other two podcasts you should check out next because those are his running mates in this this election. Got it. Um, okay. Well, I think he's a he he has a he has a, either has a child in the district or he recently had a child with, went through the district, right? I think his child is still in the district. John, Johnson is the one who just graduated. Okay. Got it. All right, Jason Feldman, Matt Hall. Here we go. All right, folks, we are here with Jason K. Feldman, who is running for a seat on the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District. Uh, thank you very much for being here. We appreciate everyone's time coming and talking to us. Uh, why don't you take a couple minutes and tell listeners who you are and why you are running for school board? Well, thank you for having me, and thank you to everyone that is listening. Um, yes, my name is Jason K. Feldman, and I'm a civil rights attorney with two uh, elementary-age daughters in the Santa Monica Malibu School District. One is at uh, Franklin Elementary and the other is at John Muir. And, uh, you know, I've made a career fighting for the underdog. I started out as a deputy district attorney and I was working in the realm of domestic violence, assisting uh, victims, uh, working out in the community on a federal grant. I, I now accept uh, criminal court appointments on behalf of indigent, um, in, in, indigent defendants who, who can't afford an attorney. I also do uh, civil rights work uh, involving um, uh, uh, you know discrimination and enforcing prisoners' rights, and uh, and I want to now fight for uh, the families and students of Santa Monica Malibu to help our schools be be the best that they can be, um, and you know the the issues that are most important to me are race and social justice, special education. I want to give uh, parents uh, of, of special needs students a, a seat at the table. And, uh, and I'm really advocating for more transparency on, on the board, and I want to protect uh, teachers better from, uh, from, from budget cuts. Gotcha. So you outlined four priorities there, uh, race, race and justice, uh, special education, transparency, and protecting teachers. Uh, let's just go down the list. Like why, why are, what is it about race and social justice that interests you, and where do you think you're going to make a difference on the board on that subject? Thank you. Um, yeah, race and social justice. I think it really, you know, it's 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 a lifelong um, pr 
pursuit for me, and it comes out of my work as, as a civil rights attorney for the, for the past 20 years. And, uh, you know, we, we see in, uh, in the district they have uh, instituted a new uh, uh, social justice curriculum. Uh, we need to see how that, how that uh, is, is effective. And we're also seeing, uh, you know, there's a Dear Sam Ohai uh, Instagram site and where, you know, over 100 students uh, listed incidents of uh, racial, in racial insensitivity. Uh, and, and bias and, and prejudice. And I think there's a real need in, in our district, uh, which, which is surprising. You know, Santa Monica Malibu is so, so progressive, but we really do need um, uh, some efforts in that area to, uh, to, to be more fair and equitable and, and to have a, a, a learning environment for students that is free of any, of any prejudice. And I think I bring a real perspective there, given, given my work on behalf of minorities, women, uh, in, 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 in the social justice arena. And so, uh, again, that sort of brass tacks on this discussion, right? Like there's, uh, I've seen your photo, you're a white dude, right? And so yes. how, in, in this context, like, I understand you're a social justice attorney and that's when you're working on, some folks are going to look at it and be say, why is the, is the white guy here championing social justice? And what makes you the right person to take up that cause, sort of just given who you are? Right. Well, I think I think I bring a real sensibility to to the board about about fairness. Um, you know, for, for for example, I mean, uh, there there was a report done, um, you know, on, on closing the achievement gap um, for for children that are uh, you know uh, socioeconomically challenged, and really not not much has been done by by the board, despite good good intentions. I think there's just a, 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 a a need to know what what to do and, and how to handle it, and all these incidents that were listed on uh, Dear, Dear Sam High, for example, um, you know we, we we need to look into each and every of those instances, not to punish, but to create a a conversation and an understanding. And I think the best way the board can do that is to lead by by example. And I think that's where I can really help. I think that um, you know if the board wants more tolerance in the district, we need to be more tolerant. Uh, we need to be more fair, um, and and you know, as someone that's been in that arena on a on a daily basis, fighting that that kind of fight, I think I can help the board um, re reflect upon itself and the district reflect upon itself, and and be more fair and equitable in how it deals with race and social justice issues. And you mentioned that you know you think the board may be doing some stuff, but not enough. When you look at this issue, and I think it's safe to say you don't see the progress you think should be made. Uh, is that a fault of, is it, why is, do you think the board hasn't prioritized it and worked on it to your satisfaction? Do they, do they lack the skills? Is it a priority situation? Like what, what's the missing piece that makes you think this is something that needs more work? Well, I think, you, you know, what, what makes me think it needs more work is that the needle on this issue hasn't really moved. Um, you know, and, and we find ourselves, um, you, you know, when we had the demonstrations in May and so forth, we, we really can't point to anything that we have done or accomplished or instituted in the district to, to counter, um, you know, these, these feelings of, of, of inequality in, in, within our own district. And in terms of the other topics you mentioned, you also brought up special ed. You know, that's, that's a subject that special ed parents have complained about and talked about for years, um, but it's also a subject that I think a lot of parents and people don't really think about. If you're not in that world, 
it's just doesn't come up in front of you. So where do you think the district is falling short on its special ed offerings and what policies, programs, procedures would you like to see implemented to improve it? Yes, and you know, I, I am a parent of, of a special needs child. So I, I, I have been in, in that world. And um, you know, I think the district is doing a lot of things well. And I think there are a lot of um, people, teachers and, and aides and, and counselors that are doing great work on a daily basis. And I think they really, really care about, about the students. Um, you know, what, one of the things I think th that, that I've noticed, and not, not myself, I haven't been involved in, in any lawsuits with the district, but there are so many of these cases, or too many in my opinion, that are going to litigation. And I, I, I think a, a, as an attorney and as a special needs parent, I think I can help the board um, head off some of those lawsuits at, in the past and save, save a lot of money and grief for, for people with, within the district. Um, and I think uh, you know one of the ways to do that is to provide more options to parents instead of um, dictating a course of action. Give give the parents some some choices that 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 they can choose from. And so, can you be can be a little bit more specific for me on this choice? Thing? What what are you talking about? Classes? Are you talking about uh, levels of surface? Are you talking a service? Are you talking about campuses? Like what what kinds of things would you like parents to be able to choose between? Right, and, you know, it's it's about services, um, you know, and of course it varies greatly between every child what what their needs are, but there there is a certain um, uh, you, you know there's a certain aspect of the district that tries to make it one size fits all, and that and and, and that's really really difficult um, for uh, for parents to to get to get a handle on, and also you, you know to to make parents feel like they're doing the best for their for their child because every every child is different they have a unique set of, of needs and um, you know the more the district tries to make it one size fits all the more resistance that they're going to get and the more uh, cases are going to devolve into lawsuits do, do you think that push for one size fits all is is it a lack of understanding is it a fiscal motivation like what where do you think that comes from yeah i mean they you know the the district can't do everything for everybody um, but uh, but I think that they can, I think they can do better in the perception game, of uh, of of making parents thinking that that they're trying, and I think they can also do better with with actual options, um, uh, you know. And there there is also a, a fiscal issue. You know, we have a new a new budget crisis within our district, and there was a series of layoffs, and uh, you know, quietly, it it hit um, special ed the hardest. You know, we uh, special ed lost several aides, uh, and and some some of the teachers, and um, it, you know it's it's not as uh, vocally talked about at meetings and by parents, and so, so sometimes it's it's the easiest fix to um, to hit special needs where where some people might feel um, it's not serving enough students or that um, that people are 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 getting enough. And uh, or and and therefore the cuts can be made there, but it's really an area where you know if you're serious about closing the achievement gap and the equity gap, that uh, it really is a place to, to 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 focus on to to everybody's benefit. And so I think what you said there sort of transitions to your other two points um, regarding layoffs. And so your other two points are transparency and teacher protection. So we can invert those if you want, but do, do, when we talk about layoffs and transparency. 
when you're talking about transparency, are you meaning that the district isn't transparent in how it's making decisions around things like layoffs? Or is there uh, another uh, angle to that that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of in terms of layoffs, I think a real effort was made to try to be transparent about it. Um, there were a series of town halls and and so forth. But I, when I talk about transparency, I'm talking about it uh, overall as a whole. Um, you know, I had several parents come to me, um, you, you know, wanting me to run for um, f- for for school board. And the main complaint I heard was. They just didn't know what the board was doing and how they were addressing problems. You know, everything is supposed to be transparent, you know, pursuant to the Brown Act, uh, a law in California that requires, um, you know, public hearings and so forth. Um, but, you know, all the decisions seems to be made in closed door sessions. They come out to do the vote and there's not a lot of discussion and people don't know where it's coming from. There are public comments that are given but there's kind of like a thank you and then they move on and you don't know what was heard, if there was any impact. There's just not a lot of dialogue between the members of the community and the school board and people are really confused at how decisions are being made and then when they see a budget crisis in a very rich district um, and they see layoffs, um, they're, they're, they're even more confused and, and, and alarmed. What you just said there sort of touches a nerve for me and it not necessarily in a good way because I, I've been to a lot of these meetings at many different communities, you know, five or six different cities. I've been to school board meetings, city council meetings, peer commission, whatever you want to call it. I've been to hundreds if not thousands of these meetings and people don't show up. There's just like it's not it's very unusual that many members of the public are there. It's relatively unusual if anyone's there at some of these meetings and now that there's Zoom and YouTube and you can look at the you can look at the viewer count, right? Like I do. It's very rarely a high number. Like if it's triple digits, I'm shocked. And so some of the things you've just talked about, at what point is a parent response if a parent says they don't know how a public agency makes a decision, but they've never been to a meeting or they don't participate in the meetings, like at what what can the board do? Their meetings are public. And I say as a follow-up to this, some of the things you've just described are specifically law and legal questions, right? Closed session items are closed because the district is required to have things like property negotiations and personnel reviews behind closed doors. They're not legally able to have those discussions in public. And the law requires them to come out and announce what decisions have been made, but they are expressly prohibited from giving details of the discussion. And believe me, as a reporter, I find that deeply frustrating, but what can you do about it, right? Like, that's the law. How, how are you going to make a closed session item more transparent? Right. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, if you ask the incumbents these questions, I think they will say that they're doing everything that, that they can. Um, I, I do take issue with, you know, I haven't been looking at the number counts like you have, um, but I think there are a lot of very, very involved and very knowledgeable parents uh, within the district. I'm not, sh- you know, and, and it seems to me there, you know, a lot are signing up for public comments each each time. There are a lot of emails and and texts and discussions surrounding the meetings. Um, but one, uh, but another example is, um, you know, they're they're supposed to post their their agenda items beforehand, and there there's been a lot of talk of some agenda items that kind of get buried or they're they're not titled in a way where people really know what's coming up. There's, uh, you know, there's a lot of mystery surrounding the, the latest project with the um, project-based learning high school, uh, an Olympic. Um, there's also, you know, uh, there's also a, another new um, b- 
building um, purchase project that's come up that a lot of people are curious about um, that you know details don't seem to be forth forthcoming and if the board is doing everything that they can do they're at least um, losing the perception game because people don't feel involved people don't feel informed and they don't feel like there's any real input and, and so the agendas, I, I actually have a lot of sympathy with you on. Have, have you ever looked at the city council agendas? I don't know if, it's okay if you haven't. I'm just curious if you've, have you looked at any other municipal agency and how they post their agendas? Yes, I have. Are they all vastly better than the school district's process? Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be able to. To, I, I would say I'll that say that they are. In, in, like, just for me, I, I, yeah. personally, as my editorial rant here, I think the way the district posts agendas is very difficult to understand. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's true. And I think it's also when, when you, you, know, you delve in deeper to, like, if you're looking, even if you're looking for something and, you know, it's, it's posted and it's there, you, it, sometimes it's hard to tell what they're actually going to be talking about. Um, e even when you're looking for something. And, um, and you know, I hesitate there because, you know, I, I can't think of a specific, you know, city council one and, and how to compare. But, um, but all I know is that the, the agenda is a, is a constant source of, 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 of frustration and knowing when you're the, an, issue, the, an issue that's important to you. And that's one way to quash, you know, you're talking about uh, parent involvement and how many come to meetings. That, that's one way to lessen the ability to do that is if you don't know when an agenda item that's important to you is, is, is coming up or going to be heard. Gotcha. And, and that sounds like something that you as a school board member could actively work on, right? Like that's a very nuts and bolts issue. You can work on communicating to parents how items are to be discussed and when they're going to be discussed. And, you know, that seems like a very workable real world fix. Yes. And so when you talk about, so we should also just back up and give people some context. The project-based learning school, uh, once upon a time, there was and kind of still is Olympic High School, which is over there on Lincoln. Um, there has been a new campus dropped onto that school that is supposed to be uh, an extension of the style of learning that's at Smash, project-based learning, slightly different. Uh, however, it's been vastly under-attended and no one's really sure what its future is going to look like. Yes. Uh, just also, I guess I throw, I should also say I've, I've volunteered at Olympic and worked with students at Olympic and I have a, a personal connection just because I, I value that school. So if, if I sound a little ranty on that, it's because, <laughs> because I've actually been there and seen how those kids are affected by it. Great. Um, so the last thing on your four point list, not that that's the end of the conversation, but the last thing that you mentioned in your intro was teacher protections. Um, and, you know, school, school layoffs, the system for school layoffs is dumb, right? And it's dumb for state reasons where if you might want to lay someone off, possibly you have to issue pink slips way in advance. And then after everyone's stressed and freaked out, they slowly get rescinded and rescinded and you end up with a number vastly smaller than you started with. But in the meantime, it's been a horrible process. And so, you know, what, what do you envision doing differently when it comes to teacher protections? How, how do you see yourself impacting that process? Yes, I, I think you, you, you summed it up well. And, and um, again, you know, I, I, th I think, you know, if you talk to the incumbents on this, they'll say that they, yeah, they had to issue, you know, the 24 or 48 initially, you know, the, the pink slips, and they've hired a lot of those people back and they committed to doing that. 
But the whole process has been agonizing, you know, including, you know, multiple people shedding tears at these termination meetings. And, um, you know, but, you know, the, the bottom line is when t there were some good teachers that were lost and there and special education was hit particularly hard with these layoffs. Um, but again, you, you know, at, at, at a minimum, the board is, you know, it, it seems like the board... Uh, the district did not do everything they could to avoid these layoffs. And if they did do everything they could, that they are losing the, the perception game on that. There didn't seem to be any effort to cut the large salaries of some, some in administration first before you start laying off teachers. Um, the, the consultant budget is just ballooning at the same time that they're laying off teachers and you know i, I i've been saying on the campaign trail uh teachers over over con consultants and you know and when you're when you're paying you know five thousand dollars something like that for a consultant to show up uh to talk to teachers at the same time that you're laying off teachers um you, you know you can talk about the 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 pros and the cons of that and, and that individual consultant, but you have to know what effect that has on the general public. There, you know, if you're going to do layoffs, which should, you know, obviously be something of last resort, and teachers should be um, among the last, you, you have to do everything else that you can first, and you have to make sure that the people know that everything else uh, that can be done is being done first. Gotcha. And so, you know, we, we've just gone through four four things where obviously you think the district needs to improve. I'm not saying they're your only points. They were just <laughs> the things you started with. So is, is there something that you think the district has done well? Like, is there a point where you think SMMUSD really excels? Um, well, I think we have great people in, in, in our district and in our schools. Um, there are some wonderful teachers. There are uh, some, you know, some wonderful programs. Um, you know, I think the, the district has always been considered... Um, amongst amongst the best in the county, and uh, you know it's one of the reasons my family moved back to to Santa Monica. I've lived in Santa Monica at three different times in my life as, as an adult uh, for a total of, of 13 years, and and we came back when uh, when my oldest daughter reached reached school age because we wanted to to come back to these schools, and um, you know why why I'm running now is that it seems that and why perhaps there's a record number of candidates running is because it seems like. Uh, the district is in a crisis, in 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 multiple crises. But, but um, you know, I'm I'm running for school board, and I'm here in this district because our schools are so wonderful. So you mentioned multiple crises, and there's certainly a lot going on. The the the, the big elephant in the room, whatever you want to call it, is is obviously COVID, right? And what's happening with schools. And so, how do you grade the district's current response to the COVID crisis? And what do you think school will look like in, let's say, the next six months and the next year? Yeah, well, I, I think the grade at this point is is incomplete. Um, but you know, I don't question the decision that was made in spring to uh, to to cancel in person uh, learning for for the rest of that year. Uh, you know, the pandemic created chaos, and the the numbers were spiking. I. I, I don't think there was much choice there, as as was by the time the decision was made to return in fall. Um, you know, the the community numbers were spiking. LAUSD canceled in-person learning. All the districts around us were were canceling. And so, you know, even though they were planning for some kind of hybrid approach, 
um, the the distance only learning was was uh, was really the only choice that could be made. Um, but what I've been saying all along, um, you know, thinking as a as a parent in spring and now a, a, as a candidate, um, that hey, I hope the district is using this time to prepare to to go back. Um, you know, when we do return, and we're going to have to return at some point before there's a vaccine, that we're using this time to uh, be able to return safely. And we're, we're about to find that out. Um, you know, they sent out a survey uh, to, you know, because they, they have to have um, some feedback from the community as part of the requirements to, to, to go back. And that was kind of a bust. They ended up rescinding that survey uh, a, a, a day later because parents, parents were looking at, uh, you know, two options that, that didn't seem like very good choices. So hopefully, you know, when that survey does go out and when we do get the plan for returning to school, which seems like it might be January, um, hopefully they can get some special needs students back earlier than that, um, that they will have a plan and uh, they, they will have a plan for safety based on what other districts uh, have done, good and, and bad, and including uh, other, other countries, what they've done good and bad. We've seen what's worked, we've seen what hasn't worked, and hopefully the time and the preparation has been has been made to uh, for for children to return safely. So I'd say the grade at this point is is incomplete, but I'm very hopeful. And so so we kind of answered this a little bit. So you 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 think suspect it, we may be back to some in person learning, perhaps hybrid uh, by January. Yes. Gotcha. And so you know part of this discussion about in person learning, there's been there, not just in Santa Monica, but nationwide, statewide, it's been talk about teachers and teachers unions and the unions beliefs about when uh, in-person class sh classes should begin. It, ha have you talked to the teachers union at all? Have you had any interaction with them about what they think should be done? Uh, no, I have not had any direct negotiations or communications with the teachers union on the subject of what you know they're looking for in terms of returning safely. Um, but what, what I would say is, you know, any plan, you know, for, for students as well, students and teachers, there has to be an opt-out um, you know, depending on, on what the climate is, you can't force a teacher or a student to, to go back to school if, if, if they don't feel safe. And that needs to be brought into the plan. Like maybe all the opt-outs can, can be pulled together in, in some kind of distance learning or, or, or something. Um, but you, you can't force them to go back. And I know that's a real, a, a real problem is getting, you know, because there's, there's different danger and exposure levels for uh, children versus teachers and the teachers themselves some of underlying conditions you know they they vary in age and so that all needs to be taken into account in this uh, countywide plan and that's why the district needs feedback from um, from the parents and students about who wants to go back who wants to stay home we also need that from from the teachers who's willing to come back and under what circumstance as well. and, and that kind of feeds into so what you, that kind of feeds back to your discussion about transparency because one of the things that you didn't use this language but one of the things that I sort of heard you alluding to is was communication right and that part of transparency is the flow of information back and forth between stakeholders and the board um, and it it sounded like you felt that parents in particular were not understanding or not believing that their input was actually being internalized and recognized by board members. Uh, is, that, is that an accurate description? 
Yes, and I think that recent survey is a prime example. And so, you know, as 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 one of the things about schools, right? And I don't have kids, but I've covered schools a lot, right? And one of the things that I've noticed universally is parents care a lot about their kids, right? Like there's nothing that gets people fired up more than the idea that their kid in particular is is in danger, isn't receiving the best. And so I do we just want to acknowledge, I should just want to acknowledge that I understand parents feel very strongly about these issues, right? There is a yes. ton of emotion. And you know, it can seem even on trivial subjects, right? And I say like, you know, heaven help you if you question a parent on their kid's baseball time on the field, right? Like, right? Like, yeah, heaven, right. that is not a thing you should ever question. People just get really passionate about this. Yes. Um, so, you know, as, you're, as you've been out campaigning, as you've been talking to people, right, we're, we're now rapidly approaching mail-in ballot time. Like, what, what lesson has, have you learned from the Santa Monica population? Like what, what has, you talk about communication and onboarding input, like what have you learned either about the community or about their concerns since you started this? Um, yes, I mean, it started with the concerns about the transparency issue. And I, I, and I, I, I agree. I think what one thing I've learned is, you know, never underestimate the lengths that parents will go for their children. And, you, you know, you watch how, how parents have been reacting to COVID. Um, it, you know, it, and, and the, the other thing is there are a lot of really informed parents out there. Um, some of them that are really down in the details that when I talk to them about some of these issues, they're like, well, you know, there was that, there was that meeting uh, 15 months ago where the following three things were discussed. People are very passionate. Uh, there's a certain segment that's, that's very, very into it. And then there's, you know, then there's a large group that, um, you know, that's also just really strung out. You know, they're, they're trying to, um, either they're single parents or they're, they're working parents or both. And it's hard for them to keep up with the uh, the day to day on the board and and all the details, and they really want, um, and, and those people really want someone that they can trust, someone who can give them a voice and a seat at the table on the board, without them having to monitor day 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 to day, and that that requires you know a little more effort, um, and they're also looking for you know they're looking for the 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 the, the bottom line results for, for for their children, and I think that a lot of the perception about how the you know, for parents about how the school board is going is how their their child is doing, um, and so that 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 can be very complicated. And it, you know, the the board talks about you know achievement gap and results and, and things like that. And I, I I think the focus needs to be more on opportunities and um, setting our students up to win because you, you you can't count on a particular result. There there's there's so many factors. But we need to provide uh, the best opportunities and equal opportunities for all of our students. Gotcha. And, and I should say, like, I do have a lot of sympathy for parents. Like you say, parents work, right? And as we alluded to at the beginning of this, that school board meetings are long. They're often boring, right? There's, that's just what it is. Right? And so <laughs> I, I do understand and have sympathy for parents who have young kids or who have kids who have swim practice or who just have to work an 8, 10, 12-hour day that they don't have the energy and the, the bandwidth to then absorb a school board meeting. Like I, I do have sympathy for that. And, you know, I know when I say that people don't go to meetings, 
I, I do stand by that because I've been to a lot of these meetings and you know, there's thousands of people in Santa Monica. And so when you get a, maybe a few, a hundred at best, if that, you know, the numbers pan out. But the parents who do go are engaged. And I do think there's something to be said for how can an institution like a school and a school district that has a constituency that's deeply emotionally engaged but doesn't necessarily have time to learn the nuances of the institution, like how do you bring those people in and how do you engage them? And when I say learn the nuances, I'm not downplaying the intelligence of parents, but like like school funding, right? School funding is complicated. Like what's a categorical fund? Why is it called that? Like we ha- we're now a basic aid district, which is different from a state aid district. And like these are – these are things that take up space in a human's brain that most people maybe don't have the space to devote to it, right? Because <laughs> you don't need it all yeah. the time, right? It's not a right. – I, I do understand that. And so we just want listeners to know, like, I do appreciate that can be difficult, right? That's a difficult thing for people to do. Are there other topics that you wanted to address? I mean, we went through the four things you, you introed with. Is there something else? Are there other burning issues that you want to get a chance to talk about? Well, I think we co- I think we covered my my large issues. You, you know, um, I mean, there's there there is really so so much, and and you know, you've got me thinking about you know COVID and and returning to school, and um, you know, and I think I, I think that uh, it's going to be a real test for for the board and for the district how how, how this is handled, and um, you know, I think it's going to go a long way to uh, you, you know. Um, seeing how this this election is going to go in terms of people's uh, pleasure with 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 the the, the the incumbents, but I really appreciate organizations such as yours um, taking the the time and allowing uh, candidates such as myself that are not incumbents to be heard and to to have a voice. And um, you know, I I really want to be an insider for for parents on 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 the school board. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to meeting as many people as I can, uh, virtually perhaps, on, on this campaign trail. And so, so just a couple quick items that I'll bring up in a sort of a lightning round of discussion topics. Um, Pre-COVID, you know, these are things that people talked about a lot and just may still have an interest in. Uh, unification, which is a silly word that means the opposite of what it sounds like, right? right. It, 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 Malibu has voiced an interest in splitting from the district. It's an ongoing conversation. Where do you fall on that topic? Right, and this is one, this is one that I've kind of evolved as, as, as I've been a candidate. Um, I, I support if, if a mutually beneficial deal can be struck between Malibu and Santa Monica, and you know, Malibu really wants to unify, form their own unified district, and separate from SMMUSD. Um, I think they they should be able to do that. But it it seems to me like there you know there was a there was a vote in 2017 on this topic, and the board expressed concern that uh, number one, Malibu didn't have enough students to sustain their own district, and Santa Monica needed the money from Malibu. And it seems like with the fires and some of the other uh, issues that, that Malibu is having, that that problem is only exacerbated. And Santa Monica, with our budget crisis, that that, that problem is only exacerbated. But again, if, if the parties can come together and, and make a deal that works for, for everybody and all the students, then, uh, then I think that uh, Malibu should be able to self-determine. And so as a community issue now, not necessarily linked to parents, but as a community issue, uh, SMMUSD and to an extent SMC, the college, 
have gone out to the voters many, many, many times, right? And so do, do you think SMMUSD has enough money to run its district at this point? Or do you think there may be another bond measure on the horizon? Well, I think there'll probably need to be some kind of bond measure or additional funding source. You know, Santa Monica in and of itself is a very uh, resource-rich community, and they should be able to do it. But there's been the, you know, we became a basic aid uh, district 2018-2019, uh, which created, uh, you know, about $8 million came out of the yearly budget. And so, you know, you, you ask us today, and I think the district would have to say, well, uh, we're, we're, we're not sure we can survive on our own. But I think that we certainly have the, Santa Monica certainly has the ability to do it. They have the resources to do it. They might need to find some other additional funding sources, some federal grants and so forth, perhaps a bond measure. But there's no reason why Santa Monica should not be able to do it ultimately. And uh, also on these sort of rapid fire topics, like I'm going to call it chemicals as the topic, whether it's PCBs in Malibu or termite extermination in Santa Monica. Like there's a section of parents who are very concerned about this this broad topic. You know, have you have you thought about that? Are you familiar with the PCB slash termite debate? And, you know, what do you think about the district's response to those issues? Um, well, you know, I thought I, I, I'm not down in the weeds on that debate, but I am aware of, of those issues. And a, a lot of districts are, are, are facing that issue. I really thought that that uh, building infrastructure bond measure was going to be used to address that. Um, and again, there's not a lot of transparency on that issue about uh, how much of it is going towards that. It doesn't seem like there is a great deal of those resources going towards that. And of course, you know, safe schools um, is necessary in, in many respects. And, and of course the, you know, the physical plant and the infrastructure needs, needs to be safe. And there, there are enough resources to get that done. And there have been resources that are supposed to be earmarked for that. And I don't think it has been done. And so infrastructure is actually one of my, my last rapid fire topics. Like do, how do you evaluate and sort of grade the current infrastructure of SMMUSD? I, I think it's good to, to very good. Um, I think, again, you know, there needs to be sort of a reprioritization with the board. The board seems to be, you know, we, we need things updated, but I'm not sure there's enough consciousness about um, history of some of these buildings and the district. Um, you know, in, instead of trying to upgrade some of the existing buildings, I think there's there's been more of a desire to build new buildings. And that's one thing, you know, there's some candidates and, and probably incumbents that can talk more specifically about some of these buildings that, that they love that are being destroyed. But I keep hearing that from parents like, oh, you know, um, you know, this building at Samo High that they're getting rid of. And so people people are are not pleased with how the infrastructure updates number one, how um, how transparent the, the 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 budget issues are on them, and also that there's enough uh, consciousness of the history of some of these buildings and what they mean to uh, uh, past st uh, students and current students, and then the history of our district. Gotcha. All right. Um, so la last thing is, if you want to, and we kind of covered this a little bit, but giving you the opportunity, if you want to make a a closing statement, a stump speech, like a vote vote for Feldman. Like, what's the what's your what's your closing pitch? <laughs> well, thank you, thank you very much. Um, 
you know, I, I would like to, um, uh, you know, I, I would like to be the candidate that, that fights for your students and, 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 and your families. I've been doing it my entire career as, as a civil rights attorney. It all starts with, with my daughters who are in elementary school, and I would like to do that for uh, all students and all families. And I want to make all parents feel that they have a seat at the table, that uh, the board's decisions are transparent and out in the open. And, uh, and I want our, um, our, our schools to fulfill their, their full potential uh, in the district and in the community for, for the benefit of everybody. Thanks for listening to the Santa Monica Politics Podcast, powered by the Santa Monica Daily Press. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the Santa Monica Politics Podcast is provided by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an L.A. jam band that's been playing on the West Side since 2002. Their regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. If you want to find out where they're playing next, go to thebrigband.com.